This is the Random or Nintendo Podcast for December 12th, 2023. 12-12-23. I am one of your hosts, Kevin, and as always, to my virtual left is Jason. And I shout out numbers like 12-12. And to my virtual right is Angel. Enjoying a chocolate chip cookie. What's up? Enjoying a a specific chocolate chip cookie? Yeah, we got a... Just a Chips Ahoy cookie? What are we talking here? Um, One of them Costco big ones from the plastic containers that comes with like 24 of them. I have never have had. You've never had a Costco cookie? I have never had a Costco We are a Sam's Club house here. Uh, I'm sure I've they have an equivalent that's probably identical. in a Sam's Club in my life. Um, I'm sure we're, yeah, we were like a Sam's Club exclusive family for... Many years, probably like up until college. I don't know what happened. Probably that there was what what happened in college is we didn't have a Sam's Club in the area. That's what happened. We had a Costco. No, well, only family. my family transitioned. I yeah. Oh, oh, got you, got you. Yeah, because now we just do Costco. I mean, obviously, there's. I feel like there are more Costcos around, and obviously now it makes more sense for us to do Costco because they're just more sense. They're, they're more convenient where we are, but yeah, they're much closer now. Yeah. I don't know if has an equivalent. They're basically, they're good. I wouldn't say they're my favorite cookie, but I enjoy them. I mean, they're big. If you eat them fresh, they're very chewy, but they're a pretty satisfying kind of chewy. Unlike, I mean, I enjoy the chewy chocolate chips, Ahoy, but I kind of don't like their type of chewiness there. I don't know. They're almost too chewy. It's like, a little artificial. Like a, they're, it's yeah, a little like, like you could taste. Like compared, the, you could tell there's preservatives. Like compared to the standard Sahoy, like it just tastes like a completely different cookie. It doesn't taste like a chewy version of that cookie. It just tastes like a different flavor I, of chocolate chip. I now do this thing where, if we get a bag of um, of chips Ahoy, I will like open it as soon as I can, and I won't have a cookie for about maybe I don't know five days because. By day four or five, they start getting actually like softer, which um, uh, I, I I love it. I love it when when they're soft. I'm yeah, I, very picky about food that's not fresh out of the package. Like I I can sense when cereal has been open for like a day or two. Um, uh-huh. so I feel like just hearing that makes my skin crawl. That you purposely are like absorb the air, get stale, go ahead, chip away. <laughs> like I can't, I can't. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my favorite would eat Chips Ahoy specifically. It's, you know, fresh from the package, but dipping them in something. Like a dipped, a full dip chocolate chip cookie and then just putting it all in your mouth. Oh my god. I've it never is. I've never been a person to dip uh, my cookies in milk. Because I'm it gives them too. like a perfect, uh, in my, you know, in my opinion, like I love the, the softness they get when, you know, they're mm-hmm. absorbing the milk. But you don't leave them in there for too long because, you know, then they basically just disintegrate. So it's like just enough for them to hold a little milk. Bam. Throw it in there. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know who does not have good cookies? I'm just going to throw them under the bus right here, right now, live on famous the air. Oh, Jimmy famous John. Famous. Jimmy John sandwiches did not have good cookies. Jimmy just, John. I got a free cookie for National Cookie Day last week when I went to get my Jimmy John sandwich. The sandwich place? The sandwich place. And the cookie was a chocolate chip cookie, but it tasted like a peanut butter cookie. But it was a chocolate chip cookie, and I was very confused. I had a decent, uh, I had a decent uh, chocolate chip cookie on my flights to and from Ohio. How was, was Ohio, by the way? It was not the outcome that I wanted, but uh, 
uh, it was cool. It, my, I think that's the furthest east I've ever been. Hmm. Actually, I'm not. Hold on. I think Tennessee might have actually been. I think it's technically. Uh, actually, sir, uh, you were in New Orleans a few weeks ago, and I think that's further east. Is it really? I think it might be. Let oh. me pull up a map. Never this mind. is some quality podcasting where we all just stare at maps that the audience can't see. But let's figure this out. I'm just going to open Apple Maps and zoom all the way out. That's how that works, right? I mean, you can, but... You know what? I might be wrong. Wow. Yeah, I'm way wrong. Tennessee, or sorry, uh, New Orleans is definitely west of Ohio, as is Louisiana, it looks like. Okay, well, that explains that, at least. Yep. Or not uh, Louisiana. I meant Tennessee is also west. Gotcha. Obviously, yeah, Louisiana's um, west if New Orleans is west. <laughs> no, yeah, it was a it was a cool experience. Uh, went over to watch the MLS Cup final uh, between who was it again? It was the Columbus Crew versus LAFC. Uh, LAFC did not want to play that game, so they lost. Um, <laughs> but I did go. I like I didn't spend anything on the flight or on the uh, hotel, so that was cool. That's always nice when it's calm. Yeah, so didn't mind didn't mind that. Uh, but you guys also also did something very cool. You guys traveled, well, not uh-huh. very far, but you guys traveled to we uh, did travel the game awards. We oh. traveled into the virtual worlds of video games. Yeah, we went all the way to LA Live. Yeah, we saw Gonzo, which I love Gonzo, but I think not um, his strongest was an bit. agreement. Yeah, well, not the strong. Yeah, not the strongest Muppet bits. I think. Um, I, you know, they go with the joke. With like, oh, I don't know. I appreciate that. There's like my inner childhood self was like, oh my! I used to watch the Muppet shows all the time on Disney Channel. Like the sorry, the Muppet show, but both Muppet shows, Muppet Show and Muppet Babies. I used to watch them all the time on Disney Channel, and seeing Gonzo do a, a Nintendo bit, like definitely like. It was like a warm, fuzzy feeling. But the bit was not great. You're right. He was just like, oh, there are chickens in Zelda, and you know I love chickens. And that was the whole joke. Just, he likes chickens, and the game has chickens. Yeah, I did. I actually did not. <laughs> I, I don't remember why, but I just did not see the Game Awards this year. I And it, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why. It was an interesting year, I feel like. I will say, to first to the Muppet point, I do like that. That's a staple now. And yes, we were saying it at oh, the I show. Oh, I was working. No, oh, we're officially oh, transitioning to Game Awards. What? Oh, we, we already transitioned to Game Awards? Uh, yeah, Kevin seemed to. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wait, Angel, okay. do you want to backpedal before we dive in? We have no, to no, 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 into no, no, no. launching we go, we go into the Game Awards. Oh, no, no, no. We, I was done. You sure you want to talk more like other flavors of cookie? Just making sure. Oh no! Just uh, some inside baseball. I mean, I, I saw that someone already put the time on the on the thing of when we started, but they didn't put it on the correct side. So I thought I just totally missed it. Oh, oh. that was me. So that's super inside that. baseball. For those who don't know what Angel's talking about, we timestamp in real time for your listening pleasure, and that's what he's referring to as the placement of said timestamp. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, the game awards. Um. I was starting to say, I feel like the Muppet, I do like that the Muppets are a staple now, but yes, I think Angel, what was your favorite? I think for me, Beaker, the year they did Beaker with Untitled Goose Game a couple of years ago was like, Beaker's my favorite Muppet, so I might be biased, but I feel like that was like Beaker and Bunsen, Goose, that was that was the one. Yeah, but Beaker and Bunsen are, 
just a naturally funny duo. I feel like I've yet to see them do something that I didn't think was just funny entertaining. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're just, they're just great. Like, I feel like even if you don't know who the Muppets are, like, I think this is where it kind of falls apart a little. Like, I did not watch a lot of Muppets, contrary to Jason. Um, and yeah, like, I, I think the only ones I knew, I mean, I knew all the Muppets, just, I knew their names. I mean, I saw them enough, but I wasn't like a, a, a hardcore fan. But I don't dislike them. I we should quiz like you enough. on this sometime. Like, hold up, flashcards. Like, who's that Muppet? But I would say, like, aesthetically wise, like Gonzo was probably my favorite, just because I don't know. I just thought he looked cool. He was very interesting. Um, I had no idea chickens were a thing for him. So mm-hmm. he's married to so, one in the deeper canon of the Muppets. So you know, so it just kind of felt random, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, it, you know, it felt. Too random. So if if I had that context, yeah, you know, I, that part wouldn't have been an issue. But it just felt like no. Even with the need... context, it wasn't great. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it just felt like it fell on a couple different levels. It's like, yeah, this chickens in a bunch of games, but they didn't really do a ton with that. And then the fact that it was chickens also, also just felt so a little. Too, I don't know where. A little Gonzo backstory, a little Gonzo lore for you. Uh, in most of the Muppet stuff, he is surrounded by chickens at all times. It, I think the visual pun is supposed to be he's Gonzo the Great. He's just like star and he has a bunch of chicks around him all the time. Like I think that's the visual pun. It's like he has all these girls around but they're literal chicks, like chickens. I think that's the gag. Well, So that's what that was nodding to. I think in that in that uh, Netflix like Muppet show they did, I think Gonzo's storyline was something about him and a girlfriend. Yeah, I believe. Um, I haven't seen the the newer one to be honest, but I believe that something marries did. one of the. Yeah, no, it got canceled, so no one has. Uh, I believe. I believe one of the plot lines at some point in Gonzo's past is that he is married to one of those chickens. So if he was flirting with a uh, cuckoo from Zelda, which it certainly looked like on stage. Uh, he might have been cheating in front of all of our eyes, like just publicly cheating on his, I think Camilla or Camille is the name of his, uh, married chicken. So, or girlfriend chicken or whatever that chicken is. So we watched adultery at the game awards is what I'm saying. So that's what the drama was. Yeah, no, that was the entire drama. It had nothing to do with people thinking the Game Awards weren't focused enough on the awards and nothing to do with speeches being cut off 30 seconds in. But people like, um, you know, Kojima or Simu Liu getting to chat for like 10 straight minutes had nothing to do with that. It was just the adultery of Gonzo. Yes, correct. Did you guys know about all the brouhaha that came out of the Game Awards the next day? I don't know. The the first I hear of it. All right. Well, let me figure it. So I feel like personally, I feel like I go into the game awards in kind of three different mindsets, but a lot of people go into it understandably with the game awards, right? Like an award show to celebrate games. And every year, I know we've had this conversation here on the show. uh, There's always the discussion of the balance between the awards, the world premieres, the celebrities, the music, whatever. And what is that right balance? Um, in what presumably was a knee-jerk reaction to Christopher Judge talking for nearly eight minutes in his speech last year. This year, the Game Awards had playoff music during the speeches for the first time. And they had a countdown on a teleprompter that would then flash, please wrap it up, which is standard award 
fair if you look at like other award shows. But the problem is they were cranking that thing up real quick. Like they're turning that please wrap up sign on real fast. So there'd be bits where like, you know, uh, Kojima would be revealing OD, his new cloud-based kind of interesting game meets movie thing he's doing with Xbox. And I would have like 10 minutes. And then there'd be, I don't know, the voice actor of Baldur's Gate getting like 25 seconds before they start playing music. And that kind of kept happening throughout the night where the people who were supposed to be honored at the game awards weren't getting a chance to really be honored. And then a lot of the people didn't even get the chance to speak at all because they jammed most of the awards into those kind of like not really sizzle reels, but like the rapid fire where, you know, Jeff Keighley or someone's just on the side stage reading like four awards back to back. Um, so I think there were only like five maybe awards presented on stage. And someone did the math and it was like 40-something minutes of award-related stuff. And then the other runtime, like it was a three-and-a-half-hour show or something, and the rest of it was all like not awards. And people were just kind of like the balance seems to have tipped a little too far into not honoring the people who you supposedly are doing this show for in a year where like literally as Andrew and I were walking in, there were protesters in front of the awards encouraging people to support video game unionization and they get out these pamphlets that are, you know, why it's important. And, you know, this is a year with so many layoffs and not just gaming but tech and the world in general, but in gaming in particular, so many layoffs that just felt like kind of – I feel like the, the zeitgeist did not respond well to this also being the year – that the developers were given the least spotlight for their achievements up to that point. A lot of spotlight was given to people that had new stuff coming down the pipe, but not so much to the people whose work was supposed to be celebrated. And that was the controversy to the point where Jeff Keighley had to acknowledge it the next day on Twitter and basically be like, yeah, no, I agree. As the night went on, like, you know, we told them to ease up on the please wrap it up. But yeah, something to work for towards in the future. Um yeah, so that's kind of controversy. A lot of people were very upset about that, understandably so. Um, and I think I'm, – I'm curious, Angel, because you're sitting there with me for the, the show. As an award show, as a thing that was there to celebrate the games that came out, not the games to come, how did you feel about it? The same as always. Too, too little time dedicated to awards, too much time dedicated to trailers. Um, it's gotten better. I mean the removal of – World premiere was nice, but uh, you Think know all the people, seconds they saved, or actually the minutes yeah, they saved. When yeah, they, they definitely saved like a lot of time. <laughs> but you know, you still hear that word every single like every like fifteen seconds. It's yeah. just like world premiere yeah. after world premiere after world premiere. Um, I, I mean, I wish that they could just say like a blanket statement, like you know, everything shown tonight is a world premiere. Well, they did something. this year, basically. No, but he still said it after before every single trailer. Oh, that well, way he still has you... to introduce. They still need a host to do segues, or else it feels. Oh yeah, weird. I mean, they, yeah, they yeah. can segue, but they don't have to say this is another premiere. We just have to. Say I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it just say it once. Basically, there's as... still there's still room to trim. I mean, if yeah. they're you know if we're still gonna get this amount of trailers, and while a lot of the trailers were you know a lot were interesting, some things that I was like, oh, that's cool, like you know the. The Goose Game people game looks yes. intriguing. House House's uh, Big Walk. I can't tell if that's a VR game or what, but it's, I it's like Patapon crossed with I don't even know what with the music like of White I enjoy, Lotus. It's very interesting. Like I enjoy knowing that game exists. It doesn't seem like something I'm probably ever going to play, but I I like its style and its vibe. So you know yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. but at some point I don't know when it was. 
And this is separate from just um, general mental allotment, mental focus allotment for game awards in general. But at some point, like, I felt just like a lot of the games started to blend together. I think more so because of the sheer volume of trailers that we had that I just started to kind of check out and just be like, I can only handle so many game announcements in one sitting before I start to forget the one I just saw, especially when most of them are like first-person shooters. So, it was funny during one of the final commercial breaks. I turned to you and I'm like, remember when Matthew McConaughey came out? That feels like a week ago because it really did like yeah. – yeah, that was like – he was like the first – for Kevin, for your reference, he was I think the second or first person on stage this year after Kiwi. Um, yeah, I, I knew yeah. that he was – I did read that he was pretty pretty early on in the show. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of bothers me a little, a little, a little, a little, that the fact that the pre-show also has a bunch of awards. So, you know, already by <laughs> default, if anyone, you know, watches the show when it's supposed to start, already missed out on, like, the reveal of a bunch of, of a couple of awards. You know, to arguably some not as important ones, I guess. But, you know, that's... To, to be fair yeah. to the production team, this year they made a point of advertising the show starts at 4.30, and only if you dig deeper do you learn, well, the show starts at 5, the opening act starts at 4.30, but they very universally, I think because of that sort of feedback in past years, very universally are like 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, be there. So they, yeah. they did try and massage that, but it's still the same point. That's not truly the same show, yeah. Yeah, so while I get like, you know, this is a great place to showcase a bunch of games and all that. I don't know. I, I think they could maybe cut down on, like, I don't know, game traders by, like, 25%, maybe? Just probably a lot. I mean, do you even know how many games were actually shown? I have no Maybe idea. Um, well, and it uh, depends. Do you count it as trailer or as game? Because Sega had five in one. <laughs> so, uh, game, I guess. Which, by the way, Sega was, yes, like, one of my thing, favorite yeah. announcement. That just that was... Because it was so yeah. unlike the rest of yeah. them, that one really – and I love Crazy Taxi, but that one really stood out to me. Yeah, just rapid fire, get people what they want. But um, Who knows if they'll be good or if they'll be – there's rumors some might be game of service games. Like there's been rumors that Crazy Taxi or Jet Set Radio might be – or Jet Set – yeah, Jet Set Radio might be um, super games as Sega calls them, which are supposed to be like huge game live service mm -hmm. games. But nonetheless, just the boom, 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 Taxi remember all these kind of makes sense. I want to – I want to air a grievance here live by one of my co-hosts. Oh. Uh-oh. I was promised God of War karting by one Angel Salado. He said that's the <laughs> next game we're working on. Not this God of War Ragnarok Valhalla DLC that looks super cool, but that has nothing. I saw zero go-karts in that trailer. That is true. There are zero go-karts. I have failed you. Just pretend that my cane gif is playing. You're foolish. <laughs> Just <laughs> how, um, Angel. This is your chance to cover yourself by being like, "Oh, well, the NDA prevented me, so I made up a different game." That would be your out, which you didn't take. Interesting. Yeah. Just, just want to put that out there, Kevin. When this he tells you the next God life. of War, when he tells you the next God of War is called God of War Party, and you go around a board and collect little artifacts from like Norse mythology every twenty coins. It's not true. Yeah, Just I know. Let you know now. <laughs> I know Angel's full of <laughs> so like <laughs> that did yeah. that was really cool to be sitting next to Angel like that and and like have his studio's game be revealed and the reaction from the crowd 
and people after the show, because Angel's wearing a God of War shirt, like, come up and be like, congrats, man, or that was so cool, I'm so excited. Like, that was really cool secondhand experience. <laughs> like, I was so proud of you in that moment. It was really cool to see, like, people be so excited for something you are so personally attached yeah, to. It, it's really, it was really great just to see the, the reception. I mean, you know, just being in it, you just kind of, like, get lost in, you know, just the general energy and just, you know, you you you, you forget how how much like the franchise means to like a lot of people more than you know besides like myself and stuff but yeah super excited never mind the double mic drop on it and that double mic drop in the trailer the date being four days away and then the free like the crowd went nuts yeah yeah you know fans of our fans as they say but yeah yeah um the trailer thing does kind of remind me though i i feel like you know what the, the the thing, and I agree with you, Angel, that sometimes it's a little too trailer heavy. But I feel, I feel like I, whenever I go to the Game Awards, and I've been going, this was my seventh one. And every time I go, I kind of go with like three different shows in mind, which is weird, I know. But I go going, okay, here's an award show about video games. And I like when the industry comes together. Like I like just walking around E3 because everyone's, it's ha- it's everyone's in one place. It's happening. It's like there's that. And that's cool. And that exists. And then I'm like, ooh, also like E3, I love how it's like this big like blowout of you never know what's going to happen. It's the last like the last bit of what E3 used to be where it's like you go to a physical press conference and surprises occur and people come out. You don't expect to announce a thing and things happen. And I like that aspect of the Game Awards. And then usually there's like a Nintendo aspect of the Game Awards. And usually those three, the scales tip a little differently every year. But for the most part, it feels like across all three, I'm pretty happy. This year was interesting because I feel like the Nintendo side and the award side were weaker. But the trailer side, as many as there were, like this felt like the most E3-ified game awards. It had like a lot of surprises. It was well-paced throughout, just the trailers. Like it felt like the way they kind of went back and forth between like big games and little games and like indie games and major triple A games, like it was, it felt really well paced, even if it was a little overwhelming. And then even just like around the game awards, like both on the calendar and physically in LA, there was just a lot going on. Like almost not E three level, but it reminded me. It was the first time it felt kind of like the vibe of E three week. Like on the broader in the broader world, like Fortnite was like launching a whole bunch of stuff throughout the week, which kind of felt like how those sorts of things used to happen during E three. You know, they have, I'll talk about it later because I've been playing them, but they have like three new games inside Fortnite, like as separate games, which is interesting. Uh, and they like did like a pop-up like trailer debut for like their Fortnite festival game, like down the block a couple days before the game awards in downtown LA. Um, and they like projected like the trailer on like a building and were giving out like the weekend merch to people who went. And then like after we left the game awards, there was all this stuff going on. Like Sega was handing out um, swag, which is I've never seen that happen at the Game Awards before, but they're giving out little, like, sticker packs and shirts that had the five logos from the five games. Um, Or not even logos, like, symbols for them. Uh, And then, like, down the block, um, what was it, Asgard's Wrath 2? Is that what it's called on the quest? Um, Facebook basically set up, or Meta, excuse me, basically set up this giant screen in the sky with smoke. And they synced up the lights with the smoke and the screen. And it was an OLED screen, I think. So it looked like someone from that game basically ripped a portal in the sky threw an axe at you, beckoned you in, and then closed the portal. And then that was just looping. But it was like this really ornate thing in the middle of like a parking lot, a block from LA Live um, that felt very like, you know, E3 ridiculous caliber. And then like Dennis Wolves was circling trucks all around LA Live for like an hour. There were like 10 trucks that were just showing footage of the game. And 
the plaza, I think, uh, I don't remember which game it was. Front Runner is that a game? Did I make up a game? They had, or no, the final, whatever it's called. One of the games took over the plaza with that. Like it just felt E3 scale. Oh, I know what been. you're talking about. Yeah, the finals. finals yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the finals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that part of the show I thought was maybe the strongest it's been in a very long time. Um, in terms of just like the scale and scope of like the industry is like going all in and being ridiculous. Um, but yeah, then we already you know we talked about the awards themselves being a little weaker this year. Um, but also, I thought it was interesting that Nintendo just wasn't really there. I mean, they're physically there. Doug Bowser accepted uh, Mario Wonders Award for Best Family Game. Anuma went up for uh, – E.G. Anuma went up for the Zelda uh, speech when he won – or when he and the director won an action-adventure game, which, by the way, they even cut off Anuma or please wrapped up Anuma and started playing music on him. Um Reggie was apparently in the crowd. But it was his first year he didn't present. I know he's not Nintendo anymore, but he's still kind of Nintendo connected. But yeah, it was a very light year for Nintendo. Like all those things were there, but they had no news, no commercials running. Like as the show was starting, they announced on their Twitter account that they have a couple new games on Switch Online. That was their that was their announcement, and that's totally fine. Not every year the calendar syncs up, but that just really drove home a point we were saying last episode that like. This is the end of the Switch. Like, we are the Switch. The sun is setting on the Switch. Like, if they're not announcing stuff at the Game Awards where they have a core audience they can appeal to, when most of the games at the Game Awards, minus a few, don't even have a Switch logo in their trailer, we're at the end of the run of the Switch, I think. Just another sign that we're getting to that point. Um, so, from the Nintendo fan perspective, it's kind of a light year. From the award perspective, it's kind of a, a light year. But from the Winter E3, if you will, perspective. It was a solid year, I thought. Um, and I think it's just Keeley, Jeff Keeley and company just need to kind of figure out that balance again between award and trailer. Um, one thing I don't get, though, I'm just going to throw out there. One part of the, like, controversy with the awards being so shorthanded or short, you know, not giving much of an opportunity uh, is a lot of people were complaining about the celebrities and being like, why are they have all these big name stars? Like they should be celebrating the developers, et cetera, et cetera. And on one hand, I do get that. Um, like Timothy Chalamet was just there because he has Blanca coming out and Dune coming out. Like he had no real gamer connection or like video game connection, I should say. But Wait, was he a presenter or something? Or he presented Game of the Year. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, they pulled that with Vin Diesel a few years ago, but Vin Diesel at least had a Fast and Furious game. Um, but the, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, he shouldn't have had like. He shouldn't have let Anthony Mackie go make, like, the cracks he made. Or he shouldn't have let, like, Christopher – well, actually not Christopher Judge. He shouldn't have let, like, Simu Leo talk about, like, his broken leg for so long. Developers should get that time. And, yeah, I get that. But, like, this idea that just because you're a Hollywood person doesn't mean you don't have a tie to games feels to me a little, like – I hate to say old school, but kind of old school. Because everyone there had something to do with a game, everyone on that stage. Anthony Mackie obviously twisted metal. He stars in that, um, which is still game adjacent, you know, it's based on a game. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, Samuel Lee, all that. They had like actual games that they were voicing in and part of. Um, and then also people are kind of glossing over. There were some developers or some like game personalities that they brought out that had equal time up there. And, you know, also were taking away, quote unquote, from awards. Uh, Christopher Judge, you know, he was riffing for a while about how much he talks, which is funny because he took time from people who could talk but like he was up there um ikumi nakamura uh she was there what what was she there for a few years ago again 
I don't remember. I feel like like they made a point of like she's been here before and she's so quirky, but here she is promoting her new game that doesn't even have a publisher yet. Uh, Kimuri, I think it was called, which actually was kind of cool from the trailer, which was all pre-rendered. But whatever. My point is, she got a chance to like really just kind of talk on stage. Obviously, Kojima got a chance. There's a guy named uh, oh god, I really don't want to butcher his name, but his game looks cool. It's it's for his father. It's with EA Originals. It's like in honor of his father. It is coming to Switch. The guy shouted out Golden Sun, which is kind of cool, but I don't want to butcher his name. I think it's Abu Bakar Salim or something. Salam, Salim. Sorry to butcher your name, but like he isn't a huge. I think he did voice acting before that in some games. So he's not like the biggest name, but they gave him time to talk. Like, so it wasn't like it was all just like only celebrities. Like, yes, Zed presented an award for no real rhyme or reason, but they gave developers a chance too. So I don't think, contrary to what a lot of the internet felt, that the celebrities were the problem. They didn't even have a big pop star this year. This is the first year, I think, ever that all the music was just game music by game music-related bands who aren't, like, big outside of game, the games. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like some... I guess where I'm going with this is I feel like the scales need to be adjusted a bit, but some of the criticism is maybe a little too harsh, in my opinion, of how the show is handled. But some of the stuff about the awards and giving developers that one stuff a chance to speak, not just developers that want to promote stuff, uh, maybe there's something there. And Nintendo needs to hopefully come back in a big way with the Switch 2 or Switch Pro or whatever they call it next year because I, I miss them. I miss them dearly. But yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know if Angel, you had any other thoughts on the Game Awards, but that's kind of where no, my just, where I sort uh, of <laughs> landed. Yeah, I still don't know overall how I feel about watching them in person. Um, yeah, there's something to be said about, you know, the spectacle and just being able to, like, mingle and, like, walk around and see some people, but yeah, I could definitely see myself Maybe doing this like once in a while, and like maybe one every three game, one every four years, I'll go or something like that. Every single so time the, that that Sony Santa Monica is going to announce something, I'm like, oh, Angel's going this year, huh? <laughs> finally, he's going for that interesting huh? hit for himself. Yeah, and now finally I'm we're getting going uh, again. <laughs> we're getting uh, God, got to work carding. Yeah, that's <laughs> the next time that an Angel goes. I know that's going to be the year. It, it's funny because. Um, this is actually the first year that I strongly was like, maybe I don't need to go. Like, like you know, last year wasn't super strong for Nintendo either. They barely were involved in the show at all. Like, I think they announced Bayonetta Origins, but they didn't have very many nominees. They didn't have any music, nothing like that. Um, but then this year, when in starting to talk about with Angel kind of on the side, I was like, oh, well, they're up for two Game of the Year noms. They, you know, they have maybe some stuff brewing they haven't announced, like, it's the 10th anniversary of the show. Maybe Miyamoto will show up. Like, Anuma will probably be there. Like, I'm, Reggie always presents. They'll play some Mario and Zelda music in the medley. I'm sure this year Nintendo will make it worth it. And then this was the quietest year for Nintendo they've ever had. Uh, even the game medley, the Game of the Year medley, um, I think I counted it. It was 22 seconds. Well, I didn't count my phone. I was recording it. It counted. 22 seconds of Mario and 25 seconds of Zelda. That's the most on stage that wasn't an award passed out that had to do with Nintendo. In a three and a half hour show, so damn that that's cool. <laughs> Reggie didn't even present. I know I said that before, but I'm so I don't understand it. He was there. He always presents. What? Whatever. Whatever. No regrets going though. Whatever, indeed. Let's go ahead and <laughs> figure out this uh this bragging rights business. Oh. Yeah, the other side of the Game Awards, our predictions. Our predictions. So, 
the way that I did this was I gave us a point if you got your want right and two points if you got the will right. Uh, now, do you guys want me to rip the Band-Aid uh, right off the cuff and uh, what's it called? Yeah. Tell you guys who won or do you want me to break it down? I will say you ripped the Band-Aid. We're not... The Game Awards, we're not going to string these people along forever. In well, no, see, the Game place. Awards doesn't string people along either. It gives them 20 seconds to speak. So, Kevin, you have 25 seconds till Please Wrap It Up flashes to get as much information as you can out there. In third place, we have one Angel Salado with 14 points. Do we applaud that? Is that good? I mean, it's last. It was last. It... So, one clap? There we go. And okay. I'll take it. Uh, the winner by only two points. So there's a, a, a two point difference between me and Jason. Oh, man. I'm nervous. Your winner for the bragging rights for the 2023 Game Awards is your boy, Kevin Gomi. With 23 points to Jason's 21, it was a close race. Sweet. What? That should make me happy. I wonder what <laughs> where we diverged. Um. Yeah, he so... probably played more games? Or no? No, no, no. I don't mean in, in life where we diverged. <laughs> I mean, like, which picks did we pick that diverged? Well, I mean, I'm sure that contributes. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because Jason has more three points than I do. I have three oh, three-pointers. So I have more um, correct predictions of what will win, but you have more. What, dis- what destroyed you were best music, best art, and best direction. Those you got, th- you got zero. To be honest, I was surprised best art went to Alan Wake. True, which very that, that that is the one that none of us got right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was the only one that got best multiplayer right for Baldur's Gate. Okay, okay. Angel was the only one that got it right for best action with Armored Core. And then... Well done, Angel. Jason, you're the only one that got best RPG right with Baldur's Gate. I'm shocked you guys didn't think Baldur's Gate would get it, given its momentum. But... Well, no, I knew that Baldur's Gate was going to get it, but I wanted Liza P to get it. I see, while, I see. While you okay. wanted and... While you wanted Baldur's Gate to get it and... You also thought Baldur's Gate would get it. I will say one interesting thing. I know I said I was done with my takes on Game Awards, but one interesting thing this reminded me of. They are very strange in how they choose which ones get presented on stage in a proper fashion. Like, best RPG didn't go on stage, but best action-adventure game did, probably because Anuma was there. But, like, these games, the, the awards themselves don't really have much weight against one another in terms of, like, why would one get more attention than the other on stage? Like, that was weird. So even right now and how we all have different awards that we all got right or wrong, like it just uh-huh. reminded me that like for something that should be equal between categories, my scan of the year, uh, it's kind of interesting how the show did not treat him as such. But good job, Kevin. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking at what it is. And there are four categories where you got zero points and there are only three categories where I got zero points. So I think that's, what, that's what did it. Interesting. That probably did it. That's what did well, you in. Well, we maybe predicted those right or wrong, but coming up in the near future, maybe next episode, two episodes, we get to make our own awards, right? Because aren't the quarantinis coming up? Quarantinis are coming up. Yeah. So 
Oh man, I've played. We may not so have little the, this year. We may not have the fullest finger on the pulse of what exists in the world, but we certainly have a finger on the pulse of what we've done, whether it's a lot or, in Angel's case, a little. So stay tuned for those awards. Well, games those real wise, awards that matter. Games wise, it's according to my own little things. I've definitely played less this year than the last three years, as well as surprisingly number of shows I started. So that just means it'll be easier for you to pick your winners because you have a especially pool. Yeah, because even in the game side, like there's only one game I've completed this year so far because the other ones either don't really end or I felt like I didn't play enough to really consider them play. You know, like Street Fighter Six, like I I barely played that. I thought I was gonna play it a lot more, barely played it. I feel like you're one second away from just telling us your quarantine picks already. Decent anime, a lot of movies though. The surprisingly, yeah, so you've been much watching. Doesn't it feel like he's, he's, a, a lot of feel like he's about to spoil his quarantinis right here? Actually, no. I've only seen thirty-six movies this year so far. Actually, thirty-seven because of yesterday. Only, uh, only. I mean, only. I just hit my microphone accidentally. I was so like flummoxed. Well, by to that. be fair, only. the Super Mario Brothers movies on here one, two, three, four, five, six times. You watch three movies a month, by the way, on average. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're. Mar- I saw the founder, huh, on March 12th and on March 14th. You must love the story of McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. I, I think I just felt like rewatching it because I'm like, I remember liking it, and I'm like, yeah, I still liked it. And then I thought, like, hey, you know what? I think my mom would like this movie. And then I showed it to her, but I ended up watching it with her in Spanish. <laughs> The only so. movie I've seen repeatedly this year. Nope, that's not true. I saw Oppenheimer twice. The only two movies I've seen repeatedly this year are Oppenheimer and the Mario movie. By the way, the Mario movie nominated for three Golden Globes earlier today, including One, Best which Song it, for it Peaches. It certainly should not uh, be in. That's its own controversy. What, uh, Mario? Yeah. Or the, or the, is it Best, Mario is it and best Wish. Animated? Yeah, Mario and Wish yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, you know what people, my favorite People really think that they shouldn't be in those, in those categories. Here's my favorite category. Best cinematic and box office achievement. In other words, here's an award for making your money. Congrats. Uh, Which, how do you even root for? Barbie, $1.4 billion this year. Mario, $1.3 billion. By definition of the award, Barbie's the winner. How do you root for Mario or anything else in that category? I think they probably have to take into account everything about the movie. Like the fact, come on, a three-hour biopic on Oppenheimer is going to make a billion dollars like uh, yeah it's just shy of it it's 900 some odd yeah yeah 900 some odd billion. you, you yeah. get what i mean like yeah no of, yeah of yeah, yeah. Course, so, of course uh mario was gonna do gangbusters you know yeah i mean the fact that it ended up second biggest ma movie of all time i would not have seen coming but yeah but yeah that's yeah. neither so here that's or there. the award mario might have the biggest shot in but even then no probably not that's neither here or there uh um, win all the awards in everything even an Emmy, and it's not on TV. I that's neither here or there. <laughs> Still going. <laughs> uh, where's the with the card that says uh, "Get off the wrap stage"? It up. Wrap it up. This is this is why I don't like when Jeff Keighley does it because I can just keep going. I'm I'm the Christopher Judge of this podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, Angel, you want to talk to us about one of those movies that you watched? Um, yeah, uh, I'm just gonna group them together because I. There isn't a lot to say about one of them, but it definitely is worth mentioning. So I'll start with that one. So The Boy and the Heron. For those of you that don't know, um, because it's very possible you didn't actually know, 
Um, the, you know, Studio Ghibli, known for Spirited Away, Prince Mononoke, and all those classics that you've probably seen around, especially if you go to Anime Expo. They had a new movie this year called The Boy and the Heron, known as How Do You Live in Japan. I don't know why they changed the title in the U.S. If anything, it makes, when you watch the movie, you're like, yeah, How Do You Live feels way more thematically appropriate. But, yeah, it is what it is. Um, Funny, well, not funny thing, but interesting thing about this movie, though, is that it's also the first movie, well, that was screened in IMAX in the U.S., so that is one thing. But the more interesting thing was that Miyazaki, who directed this one, who came out of retirement for the third, fourth time to direct this Something one. Something like that. Yeah. Like, his whole thing was like, I really don't want to spoil this. I don't like how, you know, the movie industry in the West is basically spoiling whole movies and trailers. So we're just going to not do any trailers at all or any marketing at all except for like one poster and the fact that they're making the movie and that's it so in japan they literally had zero marketing for it and i believe it's actually the highest grossing at the very least ghibli movie in japan of all time so it it at least pulled like paid off over there and i know it's doing well here too i just don't know how well i know Uh, not by a ton i'm guessing but i don't know i know all right you want to know It's the number one movie at the U.S. box office this weekend. Wow. First time that's happened with his movies. Uh, Now, granted, it's a quieter weekend. It made like 12 million or something, but nonetheless, number one. Yeah. But, yeah, so I pretty much, um, the U.S. did not, because, you know, we have a distributor that picked up the movie here, and that distributor was like, yeah, we're not going to go radio silent like Japan did. We kind of want to make our money back. So, you know, so there were trailers, there was promotional stuff, and I managed to avoid all of that. Um, Yeah, I did manage to avoid all of that, except for just like one image that just popped up on the internet that I didn't realize was from that movie. I just thought it was like, oh, like, is this from a Ghibli movie that I haven't seen in a while? Because I didn't quite recognize it, but it looked like the general art style, which, you know, spoiled the art style for it. Because sometimes... They'll do a crazy art style that, yeah, you should definitely watch Princess Kaguya. That's what I'm getting at. But the movie, um, without spoiling a lot, and just in case you're also in the same boat and want to go in as blindly as possible, um, it's an interesting movie. Um, I I enjoyed it, but I feel like I need to watch it again. Not that it was like confusing or anything, but it does. Pacing is kind of sporadic. It's like goes from being very slow to very fast to a little slow again to I don't know. It to I needed to like basically mentally think about like all right, this just happened, this is why like why is this happening? Because a lot of things just appear to just happen. And yeah, it's it involves a lot of concepts that they just kind of throw at you. Yeah, and yeah, if you're watching it with a kid, they're going to be confused beyond belief. But that being said, if you're able to stick with it and, and you know, and and get the themes that it's trying to tell you, then, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very lovely movie. Um, I mean, story-wise especially, but visually-wise, Jesus, like, it's it's almost like a shame that we don't have more studios that 
just committed to the like the studio does because man it's probably some of the best 2d animation i've ever seen like especially the opening act with with the fire like damn like it's you almost i i was like moved just by like how crazy it looked like in order to show like how like stressful and like urgent the situation was they kind of made the lines a little wavier it's like yeah it, it it was it was incredible like i just like um spider-verse like you feel like man this is really pushing the animation industry in a crazy direction for 2d just like how i feel spider-verse did for 3d and yeah just throughout the film like it just was a bunch of different techniques and it's just like you remember like mom this is a hand-drawn film like it's it's just nuts like it's Especially compared to their last film where they, you know, tested oh, around God, with, don't, played around don't with CG for the first time. Oh. Yeah, it, it, it's a we could tell, like, Miyazaki was like, <laughs> hell no, this is not going to be the last movie released, so. Yeah, yeah this sure. will not be the last movie that's released before I die. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I refuse. My own so, son. Yeah, and apparently, like, I did, um, you know, after watching the movie and wanting to get, like, all right, what, what did I miss? Um, yeah, apparently this movie is actually pretty autobiographical to Miyazaki's life. I didn't realize how many other things he just went through. So it was basically like his autobiography, except told through a trippy Alice in Wonderland kind of, you know, I was about to say uh, down to the heron. I was about to say down to the talking heron. Oh, (laughs) oh, I mean, I guess there is a, well, spoiler, but yeah. Uh, It's in the trailer. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's in the trailer. Um, You're fine. Played by Robert right. Pattinson in the dub, and he oh, sounds by the way, amazing. The, the, the voice Which cast I, for this movie is insane. We thought like sub, the dub so cast. We did not get yeah. any of the. Well, all of those people. You didn't hear Christian Bale? You mean at all? No, no, no. You had two Batman in this movie. I eventually watch it dub once it's out on Blu-ray, but for now we just watch the sub. No, yeah. Um, and I guess uh, just like last little actually yeah that's pretty much the, the impressions that would give the only other thing is to say it did give me my new favorite type of villain grunt that i did not expect at all um not really a spoiler but i'll just say it after three two one um killer canaries um i did not realize i'd be watching a whole world of killer canaries that are like the size of bears and all they want to do is eat humans, and they chase you with knives and forks, and they were basically the main villains of the movie. Um, just an army of killer canaries that have the eye that look like they would have that look like they came from the world of Pikmin, and you Ooh, when you see their oh. faces, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, it's like a if a borborb was a canary, kind of because the eyes are on top and they look kind of weird, but they were very funny. They were also very creepy. Because, you know, they're trying to kill you. And, yeah. So, like, bulborbs. So, yeah. they're like a... Yeah, and, and they're a significant threat of the movie towards the end. But, yeah. Killer canaries. No, not canaries. My bad. Uh, parakeets. Parakeets. But, man, they're both well, small birds. So. I was about to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, I didn't expect the, there to be so many birds. I mean, from the heron to the, the parakeets to other various types of birds that are just in there parrots pelicans no cockatiels but there is one that comes close but yeah 
That was the boy and the heron. Oh, yeah. And I guess just to say to the other one, because it's also from Japan. It's a very Japan cinema month for me, December. But it started with Godzilla Minus One, the first Godzilla movie from Toho since Shin Godzilla like seven years ago. So... Mm-hmm. Has it been that one? long? Yeah, it came out 2016. Oof. Yeah. Time is, is that not. That's I watched with you at your place, Angel, with, uh, is it safe to spoil a movie from seven years ago? With, uh, a youngin', a young version, a baby. Was that that what? one? We watched a Godzilla from Japan where there's, like, the normal size Godzilla, and there's also this kind of dopey looking baby Godzilla thing with big eyes. Was that that? Uh, like at the same time? I mean, in the same movie. Uh, you, you could, Elvis you, you, would know. Can you enlist you him to join this podcast mid-reporting? Yeah, because like, are you talking about yeah, like Manila or Baby Godzilla or? Why did I think no, there was just, a, it was a, a smaller Godzilla, Godzilla with like kind of eyes that were like bugging out? That does sound like you're talking about Shin Godzilla, but you made it sound like there yeah. was like a Godzilla and a Baby Godzilla terrorizing. No, simultaneously. Oh, no, I meant the movie had a Godzilla and a Baby Godzilla, like two separate Godzillas, like or oh, maybe the yes. same Godzilla but two separate scenes with these Godzillas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what it is. Yeah. Did you know it's about just, Godzuki? Yeah. I do. That sounds like Bazooka Bubblegum for some reason to me. Godzuki? Yeah, Godzuki. I knew I didn't make this up. I knew it. What's Godzuki? It's like the old like television show. Yeah, like uh, uh, there's apparently a Hanna Barbera cartoon called The Godzilla Power Hour, and Godzuki is. Let me see. Oh my god! It looks like like Pete's dragon or something. Yeah, he's uh he's <laughs> Godzilla's nephew apparently. So he's a pup named Sco- he's Scrappy Doo of Godzilla. Essentially. Wow. I'm gonna. I don't. I feel like a lot of the internet hates Scrappy Doo. I love Scrappy Doo. Just throwing that out there. So I probably I love Godzuki as well. Don't care for Scrappy Doo, but I also like don't hate him. Okay, that's fair. That's better than the random hate he gets. So yeah. Godzuki's the Scrappy Doo. Okay, I need to go hunt that down. Anyways, yeah. So back to minus one. <laughs> so yeah. So kind of keeping in the tradition of um, basically remaking the original Godzilla movie because for those that don't know or aren't as familiar with Godzilla Godzilla initially started off as just you know a giant monster that terrorizes you know Japan that's like kind of his MO but at some point after a couple movies he eventually became basically a superhero on call like anytime there was a monster Godzilla would come and defend the people and the kids and all that in various forms but at some point um after Godzilla Final Wars, you know, came Shin Godzilla. And that was basically like, what if the first Godzilla movie from 1954 was set in modern times? So, you know, a Godzilla of sorts comes and terrorizes Japan. But, you know, with a twist. What if this Godzilla is like a highly advanced microorganism that rapidly evolves to deal with anything that the humans throw at it? And that's Shin Godzilla. This Godzilla is also a, what if the very first Godzilla movie, but... Instead of being set in modern times, it's still set in, like, you know, World War II era. So it's just more like, what if the original movie was shot with, made with today's technology, as in the movie's made with today's technology. It's not a modern times movie. But Godzilla also has a twist in this one. 
a little bit of a twist. Not as crazy of a twist as Shin Godzilla. Um, I mean, his twist, if anything, is just the fact that he's really pissed in this one. This is probably the most pissed off Godzilla I've ever seen. He's just angry at everything, angry at any little thing that moves and just wants to kill everything. And I guess he's Deadpool now. Well, you know, like, blow up a chunk of his face off and he just, like, instantly regenerates. So, you have that. But what I have to give this movie a lot of credit for is, unlike most Godzilla movies, I actually cared about the human drama in this one. I, usually that part's like, you know, on the boring side of the characters aren't as interesting or they're just serviceable enough that they keep your attention until the next, like, kaiju battle. But this one, you know, like, it follow it, it, it kind of hits you with, like, an interesting, I guess, some interesting drama in the beginning. It literally starts with, like, a kamikaze pilot going to, you know, um, get his plane checked out by some engineers and they're like, hey, there's nothing wrong with the plane. And you learn right there that he basically abandoned his post because he was afraid and he didn't want to actually commit suicide. Because, you know, that's what kamikaze pilots do. And he kind of got like, you know, uh, what's the word? Black sheep? Or there's something along those lines where everyone just kind of like really hated on him. It's like, oh, come on, like, this is a war. Like, because that was of like, you. like excommunicado kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much that. Excommunicated. And, you know, through all of that, through that ordeal, you know, he kind of, cre- you know, he finds a family and, you know, they're going through their drama, just trying to make ends meet in this horrible situation that, you know, it's like, what's the worst? It's like, nothing could get any worse. And then, you know, they have to deal with Godzilla, just making everything a lot harder. And damn, like, I would say this Godzilla is probably, I think I might say, no, it's really close. It's really close. It might be my new favorite Godzilla design. Godzilla 1999, or Godzilla 2000, as it's known here, was my favorite Godzilla sign, undisputedly, up until this point. From Final Wars, or which one are you talking about? It's basically the one that ended Final Wars. Uh, It started the Final Wars saga. It's the one with the purple spikes, and the very big mouth. But, yeah, the very slender, sleek, sharp one. Yeah, that one was my favorite design, or is my it's my favorite design. This one just comes really close, so you know I could change it any day. But point is, besides just looking really awesome, and some of the shots like in the water, like man, the for having the budget that it did, it just was an awesome Godzilla film. And the beam, damn, that is, odd, you know, sound wise, the. I don't know, it just sounded amazing. It just, it's easily the most powerful, like, Godzilla atomic beam that he's had to date. Like, it's literally like he's firing a nuke. And they made it feel and sound powerful and look powerful. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would, it's almost worth it just to watch it for the beam. How do you feel but, about its roar? The new roar? The roar is cool. I mean, it, it, it's, they all basically sound like just like a monster roar, like a little different from each other, but they all kind of end. With that classic Godzilla violin curl. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, it's still Godzilla. And then this one, you know, also used the main Godzilla theme in a much closer, like, I actually didn't even realize it was a, I guess, like a remix. Well, not a remix, but, you know, like someone else, like, composed it or, like, you know, had a added additional flair. I couldn't a tell. Rearrangement, I it was just, if you will. There you go. Yeah. I, I thought it was, I didn't know it was a rearrangement. It, it was barely a rearrangement. But, you know, it's a great theme. So, I was happy to hear it there. 
unlike the one from King of the Monsters by Bear McCreary, like that one definitely sounds like, oh yeah, this is like a Hollywood version. But this one is really great because yeah, for, like that for what it's worth, Bear McCreary, that theme aside, I like his stuff a lot. He did Battlestar Galactica. It's great. He does a cool version of All Along the Watchtower from Battlestar Galactica. But yeah, sorry. Oh. Just he said his name. I had to defend him. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, he's cool. I mean, I know he also did the Child's Play theme for the new remake, which is kind of cool. But, yeah. Um, Godzilla Minus One. Definitely really great. It made me slightly less excited for the new Godzilla movie coming out. Because, you know, it's just that Godzilla universe. I mean, it's already been getting kind of noisy. And just kind of... You're like, talking Godzilla... Godzilla Kong Godzilla, versus the Monsterverse. Godzilla Cross Kong. Kong. Yeah, Cross Kong. Yeah. Cross Contaminate You mean, Kong. Andrew, your timey Godzilla Minus One took away, deflated your hype of watching King Kong and Godzilla run side by side? Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> that I'm shot still looking just, forward. I don't know if I like it or hate it, but that shot has been like stuck in my mind since I watched that trailer. I'm still looking forward to it. it I'm looks, still gonna watch uh, it. Yeah, I mean, like but, it looks so stupid, but at the same time, like fun. I'm stupid. not. Yeah, I'm yeah. also not Yeah, it looks idea. like like I want to play the video game version of that. Like I want Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee Two featuring King Kong. <laughs> like that's why I want yeah, that. Like like that that universe has just like you know if accepted its full on. I, I guess whatever Godzilla vs Kong was like that's I feel like mm-hmm. where the major shift was. Which is cool, you know, give it its own identity. But it definitely made me enjoy... It made me realize that I definitely prefer the... Godzilla is, like, you know, a very... A much more simpler plot where Godzilla is just the enemy. I, I, I mm-hmm. think I enjoy my Godzilla movies where Godzilla is the villain and not... That's interesting. You know, let's go save the Because I I wholeheartedly am the opposite side. I, I love it when Godzilla is the homie. <laughs> but then again, I also, I also feel like I haven't Get seen it. enough Godzilla movies where he's the bad. I mean, like, of course, I've seen the original. I've seen Shin Godzilla, but I don't think I think I've seen Final Wars. But you know, he's the homie in that one. Um, and then the less said about the uh, the 1998 movie, the better. But yeah, I I definitely yeah. prefer my Godzilla being on the, the side of the humans for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it also depends on like the the monster fights. Like, I I like Godzilla versus Kong for what it was, mm-hmm. um, except the human bits. But yeah, I mean, I don't even, even really know what he was there. He was just kind of just defending his own territory. But I guess he was technically a homie. Well, you know that that movie saw monsters, are, mm-hmm. you know, the balances of nature. But the one of the older ones, like Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla or Tokyo SOS, where it's basically the humans. Like dug up the remains of the original Godzilla to build, you know, to create Mecha Godzilla to fight Godzilla, mm-hmm. and then Godzilla just, you know, as a new Godzilla that comes to shore and just like, you know, they just fight a couple times. Like that was cool, right? But you know, I, I, I guess it, I guess I should say more when the plots are a lot more simpler. This is getting a little more out there, but that's fine. I mean, Godzilla's always been a crazy franchise. I can't even like really defend it when you know this stuff gets weird because you know he's had. He could fly by, I guess, firing down to the ground, and mm-hmm. that's just how Godzilla flies around. Or, I mean, and he does like drop kicks and, and stuff. So, yeah, exactly. So you know, Godzilla's been silly. So yeah, you know, Godzilla has their own charm, but 
Yeah. Preference wise, yeah. I think I know which one I like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely once it's out on Blu-ray or something, we'll definitely all three of us watch it together. Yeah, I, I tried to catch it yesterday. Yes, please. But I, of course, work had to get in the way. Um, so maybe, maybe I'm able to catch it tomorrow because I don't, I don't think I have anything in the, in the afternoon tomorrow. Yeah. I would love to see Jaws, it. It's somehow a, what's his, what's the screen time? What's the screen time in this one? Like an hour 40? No, but like how long is, oh, Jaws, like, is he barely seen kind of thing? I feel like he comes out regularly enough that you don't feel like when it, when it's how about this compare it to the, the amount of screen time that he had in the 2014 american movie like godzilla oh god like the one brian cranston yeah oh he's way more prominent okay gotcha okay yeah i think um and i just happen to have these numbers up conveniently um so apparently wow godzilla is has way less screen time than I recall in a lot of movies in general. Apparently, like in Shin Godzilla, he's only there for like 17 to 20 minutes. And even... Yeah. Oh, yeah. 2014 was only 11 minutes. That's still a lot yeah. more than 2014. Uh, actually, no, <laughs> yeah. And I think even like Godzilla vs. Kong was not much more than that. Um, but yeah, in this one, he's there for like a third of the movie. So he's like there for like maybe like almost 30 minutes. Which is... Yeah, more than double of a lot of these. So, yeah, because I mean, the movie literally starts with like a Godzilla appearance, and then you kind of take a little break, and then he appears again, then appears again, then appears again. But, but yeah, but like I said, the human drama, like you know, definitely very over dramatic okay. at times. But it was interesting, or I just you know, just got into it. Maybe it's the right time, right time of the day, right time of energy, and it also helps that. You know, mm-hmm. every one of these Godzilla movies or new Godzilla, you know, Japanese Godzilla movies typically, you know, Toho don't have any actors that I recognize. So Toho. when I'm Toho watching, movies. you know, the U.S. Godzilla or anything from <laughs> Monarch, it's like, oh, well, yeah, there's there there's Eleven. Like it is, it was kind of hard for me not to think of her as Eleven, mm-hmm. even though you know, clearly way different character. She has hair, you know, no psychic powers, but it's like. I see her, and I don't right. see the character. I just see the actor playing a character. Millie Bobby Unlike, Brown you know, is the name you're looking for here. No, that's her name. But, yeah, I just chose not to say it. <laughs> but I know. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, or even Brian Cranston, for that matter. Or, you know, like now Jeff Bridges is someone, but, and well, in the show. Not Jeff Bridges. Not not Jeff Bridges. Same age nope, bracket, you are, different man. Nope, you are not even close. No, so. I know. And when I say Jeff Bridges, it always includes the other guy. I, I, Listen, um, when when Angel says defaults. Jeff Bridges, he means all white old men with, with yeah, somewhere just, between short and short. Uh, uh, that is not how that is not yeah, how I had this conversation. This is a literal conversation a couple of weeks ago because I literally kept confusing this dude with the dude from The Thing. Um, and yeah, like literally especially because both of them come out like in different marvel movies so and i'm like oh yeah jeff bridges like no that, that's the other one and mm-hmm. then when i went to the other one i'm like oh okay that's this one like no that's jeff bridges and i'm like, like what the heck so yeah i remember blanking out on the name of the other dude what was the other dude's name kurt russell kurt russell who is the dude go. from yeah. the thing in case there's his name's kurt russell there. 
That, that no, that is why I brought up the thing. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were saying there's a third dude entering the chat here, but yeah, no, 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 no. Just, just that the dude from the thing and Jeff Bridges. For some reason, I always they mix have, up their names. They have a vague similarity to them. I'll give you that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just want to. I w- I just want to put this out there. Is a. Uh... Is RJ from The Thing, Kurt Russell, the uh, most handsome movie character of all time? I feel like I'd have to think about that. I'd have to give it some thought. But I could, I'd have to go revisit I barely remember what he looks him. like outside of just having a big coat. Just like a coat and long hair and the goggles. You don't remember like the like the, the, like the beard long and the flowing hair and the, and the, and the beard? I, that's, that's I'm just filling my Google Phoenix. search history with images of Kurt Russell. In his goggle with it. I mean, I see where you're coming from, Kevin. It's it's not just the hair. It's the waviness to it. There's a waviness. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's huh. a good-looking dude in that movie. Huh. But yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. That's Godzilla minus one. Um, great Godzilla movie. If you want to change the pace from uh, what Legendary's doing, definitely worth checking out. I mean... <laughs> it's gonna be a while before we get another Japanese. Well, I mean, we can't we'll do that because now I'm gonna talk about Mon. They kind of tease there's more, but they also did that in Shinkansen. What I mean, direction does sequel, the naming so. go if there's a sequel? Um, can't you mind? Zero Mars Godzilla? 2 would be more of a prequel, so would it be zero. It would just be Godzilla zero, I guess, huh. or something else. I don't know. Yeah, that might but be anyway, why we never get saying. a sequel. Yeah, if they can't figure out the name. Anyways, uh, yeah, Monarch, the newest entry in the MonsterVerse, which is uh, not very liked by uh, by I Angel. I, don't, I wouldn't say I dislike it. Elvis are too purists. Say that. I, I would. I love King Ghidorah and okay. King of the Monsters, well, and so, I also like the design of this Godzilla as well. This, this Godzilla is cool. I like him. Gotcha. Yeah, the human bit. Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess um, I. I, we, the, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, my um, favorite up until this point, my favorite Godzilla, Godzilla design was one with pink spikes. So this, if anything, was like, like, oh yeah, it's like a little, like a little nod to that. Um, so yeah, he, he looks cool. You know, he's basically just going Super Saiyan. I guess uh-huh. Godzilla. I mean, who knows? I mean, I guess he already did in King of the Monsters too, where he goes his radioactive mode. But yeah, interesting look. But curious to see how far they're gonna go with it. Like what else is he gonna do? But, but yeah, yeah, pretty good. Okay, gotcha. So, so as much as I really like the Toho movies that I have seen, I think 2014 Godzilla is probably my favorite out of all these MonsterVerse movies. I know that's uh, controversial because I might be there with you, to be honest. Something about that movie's tone, yeah, and I I really liked like like Angel said about uh. Uh, minus one. It's definitely more of a Jaws, like slow burn. Mm-hmm. It didn't get wacky yet. It didn't get wacky the same way. And <laughs> yeah. I think what we talked about when we talked about uh, Godzilla versus Kong was that nothing it, that monster verse is very inconsistent where you have something as grounded as you can get with Godzilla with 2014 mm-hmm. and just goes all over the place in terms of the tone, especially with Godzilla versus Kong being the uh, 
being the wacky movie that it is and like super sci-fi. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I've been watching Monarch and, um, it actually worked out perfectly because I was told in advance that the plane I was taking to Ohio would not have Wi-Fi. So I just pretty much loaded up my iPad mini with, I think the first five episodes or however many episodes were released by then. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was five. Um, and then the plane ride over was about four hours, give or take. So like it worked out great for me there. Um, also got to test out my uh, new Sony XM4s. Even though the, oh, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> Monarch. Uh, the full title, Monarch Legacy of Monsters. The show essentially acts as both a prequel and sequel. Um, focused on the titular Monarch agency that acts as the like connective tissue of Legendary's MonsterVerse. Um, it's a prequel in the sense that it takes the viewers back as far as the 50s before... Kong Skull Island and a sequel in the sense that it takes place approximately one year after um, Godzilla 2014 which uh, the incidents of that movie they refer to in the show as uh, G-Day um, which is funny because I don't think it's it's ever referred to as G-Day in like the, the next MonsterVerse movies like I don't think they refer to it as G-Day in the King of the Monsters or uh, Godzilla vs. Kong um, but anyways, in the, uh, in the 50 storyline, you follow a team composed of this, uh, Japanese scientist, uh, named Keiko and an American zoologist, uh, named Bill Randa, who, uh, Bill eventually becomes the John Goodman character in Kong Skull Island. And, uh, as a matter of fact, John Goodman does make an appearance in the series. Um, and then you have the third, uh, person in that group. Uh, who is Lieutenant Lee Shaw, who is uh, played by Wyatt Russell. Um, and essentially the 50 storyline is uh, is them together as they try to discover what we eventually refer or what the, you know, what the in-universe refers to as uh, the Titans, the, uh, the big old monsters in the uh, monsterverse. And then in the present storyline, you follow Kate Randa, who is the granddaughter of uh, Keiko and Bill, as she tries to find out what happened to her father, who disappeared from her life five days after G-Day. And um, this quest takes her to Japan, where she discovers that she actually has a half-brother named Kentaro. Uh, And uh, not that this is entirely a spoiler, this all happened in the first episode, but uh, her father was essentially leading a... uh, a double life uh, in Tokyo and San Francisco. He essentially had two families, right? Um, they, uh, she, what, what, what's her name? Kate essentially teams up with uh, Kentaro and uh, they team up along with Kentaro's ex uh, to find out what happened to their dad and they essentially just cross paths with Monarch uh, through, essentially, they essentially just cross paths with Monarch's and that does include uh, the Lee Shaw character from the 50s because now he's playing, uh, he's being played by Kurt Russell, who is actually Wyatt Russell's, uh, who is, who, god damn it, who Wyatt Russell is Kurt Russell's son in real life. And um, while, you know, it is a gimmick, it does work well. Like, Kurt Russell, I feel nowadays, plays these, like, lovable scamps, like, before the the twist in, uh, Essentially, in the show, 
uh, Kurt Russell is playing uh, his character in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 before he has that, like, evil heel turn. Uh, you know, like, like I said, like a, a lovable scamp. Like, I can't remember the last time that uh, Kurt Russell had a serious role. Um, but at the beginning of the series, or at least at the beginning of the timeline of the series, like, Wyatt's younger portrayal of Lee is more stoic, a little bit more serious, but, like, slowly you see him evolve into the cool adventurer that Kurt is. And, like, usually I don't like series that have two timelines where a character is shared because it's like, oh, well, I know this guy doesn't die in the past. And uh, at least with the uh, 50s timeline, you have two of those, right? You have John Goodman's character and you have uh, this Kurt Russell character of Lee Shaw. But there's still, like, palpable tensions in the situations that uh, this past crew uh, what's it called? There's still some tension in the uh, situations that this past crew find themselves in. Um, and then, like, the dueling storylines is fun because, like, we'll see something in the past that becomes very important for the present storyline. And of the two, I definitely find the present stuff to be more fun because the past storyline is definitely more about the beginnings of Monarch's foundation, but it still hasn't crept into the mystery that follows the present storyline. Which is of them, which is the the Randa siblings essentially trying to find their father, but the modern day stuff is definitely more fun because on top of that mystery, you do get glimpses into the stuff that people in the real world would have to deal with, um, in this new world that G Day created, right? So, like in the first episode, you get a glimpse of how terrifying it was to be on the Golden Gate Bridge when Godzilla goes through and destroys it, right? Not not. Godzilla's fault. He was he was being attacked by the U.S. military, but like they show glimpses of like Tokyo now has Godzilla shelters on top of like the bomb shelters that they already have, and then oh, give me one second. Whoops, sorry about that. But um, as I was saying, uh, you know this this brand new world that has been created by G Day, and like there's parts of San Francisco that are now cordoned off by the military and off limits. But you know people want to retrieve their valuable, so I believe uh. One of the characters is uh that they meet up uh, that I won't spoil is a uh, like a FEMA employee who actually goes into uh this like cordoned off area uh and they go like you know try to scavenge for uh, for uh, people's valuables um but on top of that the stuff that gets me going are like all the cl- all the connections to the monsterverse and especially you know the 2014 Godzilla like. Ken Watanabe's character gets name dropped at some point. I did the Leo DiCaprio pointing meme. Then they showed, um, do you remember in Godzilla 2014, the intro where they show glimpses of like Godzilla getting nuked on the beach? Well, here they actually show you like who was behind that, why, why that happened and like the consequences of that. Right. So fleshing out a little bit more of this world. But I think like the reason that I'm so into this movie, I'm sorry, this TV show, is that this is this show follows the tone of Godzilla 2014. And, you know, it's the tone that I wish the MonsterVerse followed instead of the sci-fi schlock that Godzilla vs. Kong was. And I know some people definitely prefer that movie to 2014. I mean, that one, that movie's a lot of fun. But, you know, I love the sheer, I love the sheer scale and horror of 2014. And I know that's something that Obviously, they're moving away from based on that uh that trailer for the new for the new movie, but like you know, I 
I at least get to have this. Like, I'm digging all the characters. I'm loving the adventures of the past crew. And I'm loving the mystery that, that you know, the present crew is following. And then, like, on top of that, like, the production value is extremely good. Like, the CGI is, is great. Uh, the sets are really good. And, like, uh, while I do hate some of the globetrottery aspect of the show, like, it is really cool. Like, hey, they're filming in Tokyo. And, like, I don't know if they filmed in San Francisco. I'm sure they did. But, you know, that stuff looks good as well. And, like, I know that people might be disappointed that this is more of a Monarch show than a Godzilla show. But, like, I'm, I mean, now it makes sense why it was renamed from Godzilla and the Titans to Monarch Legacy of Monsters. But, like, it's a, it's crazy that we, like, got a good Godzilla-adjacent show. Do you remember the one on Channel 5? I do remember. I do remember the one on Channel Five. That's Godzuki. No, it's not. It's not the one for. It's not Godzuki. No, it was made by the people that did um the Men in Black cartoon. If you remember oh. watching that at all, either of you. Vaguely. It was also on Channel Five. But it was just a, it was literally a monster of the week where that one was literally Godzilla was like your uncle superhero. If I'm not mistaken, that was kids. No, WB. I think it was Fox, wasn't it? All right, so for the rest of the world that no, doesn't live in WB, LA, sure. I think. So Not Channel 5 it. means Kids WB for those who had Kids WB on Channel 11, 6, 9, 12, whatever. Was it Kids WB? Huh. Just contextualizing things. Sure and that was – and that took place – not that the 98 film was canon, but I'm pretty sure it took place after. Yeah, this was like a sequel. I think it was one of the babies that just grew up. Yeah, I think that's what, that's what it was. It befriended the Matthew Broderick character. Oh, no, you're right. It yeah, was on yeah, Fox. I knew it was a Fox, Fox Kids. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the MIB one was on Channel 5. I guess the same studio just had a show on each network. Interesting. Yeah, uh, Mark. I'm really digging it. There's three episodes left in this season, assuming that, that it gets a second season. Uh... Yeah, Godzilla's in it every now and then, so that's really cool. When he is, it's like really hype. Uh, and I know there's <laughs> he's still supposed to show up because there's a scene in the trailer that still hasn't happened. So can't wait for that. But uh, it's intriguing. This, yeah, this, like I said, to watch this it. is more about the tone than anything. This is what I want from the MonsterVerse that I'm no longer going to get because of how ridiculous Godzilla intercourse with Kong looks. You know. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. Also, can we talk about that branding? Never mind that. First of all, Mark sounds great. Second of all, Godzilla, crisscross Kong, sure. But can we talk about that branding? Who decided I'm to sure call it? I'm sure it's just supposed to be like, like Godzilla, Godzilla Kong. The same way that like Hunter X Hunter is really just Hunter Hunter. Like, yeah, but still, like no, it, I'm with you. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, not I'm, good branding. I'm not disputing not anything that you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm forever calling it. I'm forever calling it Godzilla Intercourse yeah. Kong. That's so, that's his name now. Monarch. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you definitely like it, uh, uh, Jason. I don't know how Angel or oh Jason yeah, no, I, I've literally been or, wanting I'm to sorry, watch it. How yeah. Angel or Elvis would take it? He saw the first episode, so I know he did that much. Yeah, so I was. Yes, I was with all this, and yeah, but it's definitely not what uh, it's definitely not what you want from Godzilla, right? Um, I mean, I knew going in. I mean, I knew it was Monarch. I knew it wasn't going to be about Godzilla, but I, I guess I can't admit like I'm watching it more so because 
I just want to have whatever context that might be in there that mm-hmm. the movies might have. You know, while things are still not a Marvel mess of like mm-hmm. homework, it's like, all right, this is fine. And, you know, it looks, it was entertaining. So, like, I don't mind it. But, yeah, that's pretty much how I about that first. Speaking of a Marvel mess of homework, I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm going to say two quick sentences about the Marvels. If you complete all the homework assignments, it's pretty fun. If you forget what you read in one of the homework assignments, so to speak, man, can it be confusing. And yeah, I think Marvel has bit off more than they can chew in terms of this crisscrossing because like you need to watch multiple movies, multiple TV shows all the way through just to have the basic, the basic understanding of the Marvels. If you do that, it's fun. But like there was stuff I forgot about. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I was so confused for parts of that movie. Anyway, that was all. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for your time. Uh, Jason, <laughs> you want to talk to us about this uh, dang Fortnite game? Oh, yeah, sure. So, uh, you know me. I keep up with Gen Z and do all the cool things the kids do. So I'm all about that Fortnite and my emotes. And, and no, I never play Fortnite. I um, It never – did Fortnite click with you guys? Like, I feel like it never – like, the building and the shooting. I got okay at the building on PC. Actually, like. Um, I was never great, but I got okay at it. Like I, mm-hmm. I could build myself a tower in in a few seconds, the way that the youngins do. Okay, that's fair to me. Fair to me. But yeah, I just never like Fortnite as a main thing. Never really caught my attention, but I was always kind of been watching from afar with interest at like what it's doing in the space, like those giant events during the pandemic, like the Travis Scott concert, or like how it's crisscrossing IPs, like it's freaking Hasbro or something. They just get the license to everything. Instead of plastic, it's little pixel characters. Like it's it's very interesting. So then a week ago, they kind of took it another level. And I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with this at all, but Fortnite now has other games inside of it. And I don't mean like modes. I mean like games that have their own ESRB ratings and have their own like social media accounts just for those games. And there are three of them. There's Lego Fortnite, which is basically Fortnite's take on Minecraft. There's Rocket Racing, which is by Psyonix and is a racing game that cribs a lot from Rocket League. And there's Fortnite Festival, which is by Harmonix. Oh, that's funny. All the companies they bought end in Onyx. Anyway, or IX. Anyway, yeah, which is by Harmonix. And it's literally Rock Band, but in Fortnite. And they launched these all, like, back to back to back. And, you know, as much as I don't really care about Fortnite... Um, Rocket Racing and Fortnite Festival are pretty fun. They're definitely kind of bare bones. Like, literally, Rocket Racing is called Season Zero right now. But this idea of, like, you boot up your Fortnite game, and they've now rearranged all the menus to kind of look like a YouTube landing page. So you have all these different, like, creators and different, like, creative mode things, and they have, like, these, you know, Rocket Racing and Fortnite Festival and Lego Minecraft. Like a Minecraft, like a Fortnite. Um, it's very interesting that this seems to be a very big play to not just be a live service, but like a platform unto itself. Like this is a move towards Epic's idea of like what the multiverse is, or not multiverse, sorry, the metaverse is because um, your avatars transfer over. Stuff you unlock in one works in the other. They reskinned 1,200 Fortnite skins to be Lego-fied. So when you play Lego Fortnite, it's your avatar with your custom skin 
in Lego form. Like they really are trying to bridge the gap, but they're doing it with all these like different types of actual independent games within this one service you log into, which is, again, just very, it's kind of like Roblox, but more formal, like more formalized, more real, quote unquote, like more like actual experiences. It's, it's interesting. Um, and I think if you guys are curious about any of it, like Fortnite Festival is straight up rock band. Um, right now there's two things you can do. There's the main stage and there's the jam session. Uh, the main stage is literally you hop in, some people join you from around the internet, random matchmaking or friends, and then you play whatever songs you want. They give you up to four you can choose between your group. Uh, there's a rotating list. Uh, right now, one of my favorite artists, The Weeknd, is very heavily featured. So there's like four or five of his songs plus a smattering of others. Linkin Park's coming in a week, so that's kind of cool. They know how to get my attention. But yeah, then you just play rock band. Um, there's no singing. You're just and right now there's no plastic instruments. You're just using uh, buttons, so it's a little wonk, a little wacky. Like when I was playing on my Switch, it's like left and right on the D-pad are the two left sides of the Rock Band track, like the left note and the second to left note, and then the uh, equivalent buttons on the face buttons. So those two like most horizontal next to each other ones. I guess that would be what A and X or something, A and Y. Uh, those are the other two. So there's a little like muscle memory to get used to of like. It's the second from the left, but you're hitting the button on your left, but kind of your right. Like, it, it took me a minute, but once you get it, it kind of makes sense. Um, but they're apparently going to be adding instrument support next year for anyone who has the plastic instruments lying around. And I assume they're adding more modes because um, the problem Fortnite Festival has is the same problem Rocket Racing has, which we'll get to in a sec, which is basically, like, they made a proof of concept, and they put just enough for you to, like, do it and play it, but they really need to, like beef it up um so in the case of fortnite festival they have the main stage and then they have this thing called jam session did did you guys ever try the demo or play a fuser from no, last did. game before they got bought out by uh no epic? but i play rock band psp okay totally awesome. thing but great uh, no it's 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 it kind of related it's related i'm kidding but no um fuser this is how it differs from Rock Band PSP. Fuser, you didn't like just have a track and you played the music. You made the music. So you had all the stems and you can mix and match things like a DJ. Jam session in Fortnite, they have you go into like an open Fortnite area like you would in any other mode of Fortnite. And you just stand around and like play bits of songs. And you can buy bits of songs for your collection to be able to contribute to these remixes you make with friends uh, through the shop using V-Bucks. And that's how they monetize it, of course. Uh, but there's not a whole lot... Unless I'm misunderstanding it, like, you literally just stand around and, like, mix things live. Like, unless you're using a capture card or something, there's no way to, like, save it. There's no, like, point system. It's just kind of this freestyle, like, you're playing around with some songs. So you got that, and then you got the festival mode where it's literally just, you make a set list of four songs. You play it. You're done. Like, there's not really any sort of, like, purpose or progression outside of just grinding to up your rank to get more V-Bucks, to get more unlocks, to get more skins, that sort of thing. Like, there's not... It's literally just like you're grinding music, if that makes sense. And that's also kind of where Rocket Racing falls. Rocket Racing, again, interesting idea. Um, you have a full-fledged racing game using Rocket League mechanics inside Fortnite as its own mode. So there's different tracks, many of which are made by Psionics. It seems like people will be able to make their own as well. Like they always seem to be crediting who, make, who made the track. So I'm guessing that means they're opening that up. Uh, but what's kind of cool about it is it uses the logic of what we're used to from Rocket League. So 
you can fly. You can like, you know, make yourself jump and hold that jump. You can go up the walls. There's um, a, I forgot what they call it, but if you hit the Y button, it, it basically lets you, if there's road to the side or to the ceiling, you can jump between them if you're in the air. I think it's basically the equivalent of um, in normal Rocket League, how you can do like an air dodge. This one just then clings you to whatever spot, whatever directional thing makes sense. You can go on top of tracks. You can go outside the limits. You can drive on the canyon walls. Like it feels like Rocket League. There's a whole turbo system uh, where you can hit turbo. And if you hit at the right time a second or even third time, depending on how full your mirror is, you can like double or triple your turbo. And it all meshes really well. It's actually really fun. Um, some of the drifts kind of remind me of like Sonic All-Stars Racing of all things, weirdly. Um, but it is pretty fun. But again, they have this whole system flushed out and then all you do is grind your level by just constantly playing ranked matches and that's like or ranked races and that's like it so again it's, it's just interesting that like they built a full racing game mechanics of a full racing game inside Fortnite in this whole other mode and you can get decals that cross over with your characters and stuff and you have emotes and whatnot and they built a whole rock band game of sorts mechanically speaking with a fuser mechanic with jam sessions inside Fortnite, which crosses over and then they just kind of stop there so <laughs> i assume there's a lot more that's gonna come i assume they're gonna flush these out you know like Fortnite festival could benefit from some like if you and your friends aren't just doing a set list of four songs but like some sort of musical journey i don't know what that looked like uh i feel like rocket racing they need just a little i mean they don't even have a mini map you don't even know where you are on the track at the moment. So clearly, like I say, they call it season zero. So clearly there's more they're playing to do, but there's just enough there in the mechanics of these two games that I'm, I'm, I'm digging them. I'm very interested to see where they go. I don't know how I feel about the monetization. The grind for rocket racing in particular is really intense, so much so that they actually tweeted the other, maybe today even, that they're going to adjust it and make it a little easier to level up. Um, so clearly they're kind of learning as they go, but just this idea that we now have a game you boot up and inside are totally other game, like completely separate games, like especially in light of Epic suing Apple and Google over their app stores and being able to want to let you download anything from anywhere and then magically being like, look, our Fortnite game has all these other things in it too. Like this just seems like it's opening the door to a very interesting new strategy for how to distribute games. Like, is Unreal Engine going to become basically the Fortnite engine? Like, is anything in Unreal going to eventually be tapped in or have the option through APIs to tap into, like, your Fortnite metaverse stuff? Like, there's a lot of things that, are, that could come out of this that's very interesting, but right now you just got these kind of two fun, albeit bare-bones modes to check out. So they're totally free. So for me, even just, like, playing the weekend songs in um, Fortnite Festival is, like, a nice little perk I didn't have a week ago that I can now go to sometimes. So I'm content, but yeah, I'll be interested to see where it goes from here. But uh, I just thought it was a very, very interesting move on Epic's part. And I'm curious what else. They say more games are coming, so I'm curious what that means. But yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I just thought it was very, very new, very different, So, but also very familiar. A fighter definitely feels like it's in the horizon after this. A oh, fighter? Oh, yeah. Like... Yeah, no, totally. You're right. And they said not only like do they have more games, but like specifically Lego is going to be used more. Like the Lego license they have. Except the fighter's going to be like, what if every character is a me fighter? So you're just going to have a pool of moves and you just like make something from them, probably. Something. I don't know. I'd be curious if they go into single player more. Because like, like all these things, you know, I was, the, the thing that I was saying was kind of missing with like Fortnite festivals. There wasn't like a 
bring back the namesake. And even Rocket the Racing, there's not like actually make a, actually what? make a campaign out of the namesake of the game. Oh wait, they did. I mean, they once pot they did, yeah. yeah, and then they went strictly Lord Pro. But bring it just back. feels like I don't know, like. You need more than just, like a, a a shooter or whatever. I feel like you're fine. Just the grind is the game because you want to get new weapons to up your whatever. What are you getting in Fortnite Festival or even Rocket Racing minus maybe some car enhancers? Like, what are you getting that's really like making the grind pay off in the same way as a game where the weapon really determines how you do? You know what I mean? Like, especially Fortnite Festival. It's not like oh, I just got a song by Linkin Park. Now I'm totally gonna destroy all of you. Like, it's still the same game. It doesn't change the gameplay. So that's what they need to figure out for these, I think, is you can't, it doesn't, the grind is not, they're not as, uh, the grind doesn't mesh as well, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So it'll be interesting to see how they overcome that across all sorts of genres beyond even these. <laughs> anyway, that's all I had. I just thought it was interesting too. <laughs> so. Well, all right. Did anybody else yeah. play anything? I feel like I haven't played a new game in forever. Am I am I shockingly the one who's played the most new games? I mean, one, yeah, but you can technically but... say two because they're two in mm, one. I mean, I was restarting to play Control, but that's not a new game. Yeah, and I'm still just going through Final Fantasy VII, so it'll be a little bit. I have Mario RPG on the way, so I'll have another game soon. That'll be fun. I got it for eleven dollars, and I I so. desperately need to play some some Nintendo games because it's just. I don't know. I just don't have enough time. Mario Wonders. Pre- Granted, I haven't finished it, but it's pretty breezy. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's probably good. Well, yeah. I think that'll do it for this episode. Unless, I, all right, all right. I got nothing. Do... <laughs> I feel like my 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 Fortnite no, rant no, just no. like killed all the momentum of the episode. We're like, yeah, Godzilla, and it's like, oh, and Fortnite. It goes to show yeah, how much we care about Fortnite, generally speaking. Well, yeah. well yeah. all right then. Uh, I don't have the housekeeping stuff. All right, well. (laughs) Oh, I can do it. Okay. Um, you know where to find us. We're on the internet. Okay, I'm done. No, uh, we are on all the podcast services. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, on Pandora, on iHeartRadio, on TuneIn, on Amazon Music, on YouTube, at Random Nintendo, on Twitter, at Random Nintendo. Uh, individually, I'm JSR7 on Twitter. Kevin is KVN Gomi on Twitter. Angel is on Instagram under World of Weros. And <laughs> World of. It. I don't know if this is. <laughs> oh, World of what? I'm sorry. Just it just Weros. sounds like you're saying like the uh, the slang word for white person in Spanish. <laughs> oh, wow! All right, Angel got it. Maybe his Instagram's just photo. Maybe his Instagram's just endless photos of people as pale as me. Who knows? Maybe it's literally just me. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, <laughs> Angel's gonna take us out for this one. Much better than this one. <laughs> <laughs>